0: Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors' Lounge. Join us as we cover a multitude of real estate-related topics with some of the brightest and most experienced minds in the industry. Our goal with The Real Podcast is to provide information, strategies, and insight on how to navigate the current and upcoming Canadian market. We use the experiences, knowledge, and the expertise of our guests and professionals in the field and offer it all back to you, the listener. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.com. We're your hosts, Brian Fitzgerald, Erica Spencer, and Jay Shaw. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investors Lounge. My name is Brian Fitzgerald, and I'm sitting in with Jay Shaw and Surprise guest tonight is Erica Spencer, which is really exciting. I'm actually getting like goosebumps thinking about it. Um, Wait a
1: second! I thought Jared Henderson was the guest tonight. Why is Erica Spencer the guest?
0: Well, he he's the special guest. She's just like a <laughs> she's like a feature host kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, he's extra. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on this episode, we're uh, sitting down with Jared Henderson, who is an investor, uh, kind of all over Southern Ontario. But the funny thing is, is that he's investing from hundreds and hundreds of kilometers away in We Old Montreal. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit about what he's doing in Montreal and why he's in investing in Ontario. So if uh, Jared, are you still there? I'm here. Awesome. Glad to be here. Good. Glad to hear it. So Jared, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and your background?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm born and raised in Montreal. Um, I speak three languages, English, French, and Spanish. I um, had a very good upbringing in private school and um, uh, went to Bishop's University. And then after that, I, uh, I I graduated with a degree in business. And from there, I sort of experimented with a, th- uh, with a few different jobs, including... Uh, the family business, which is uh, uh, sheet metal fabrication. So our family business is uh, laser cutting, bending, welding, uh, machining, steel. Uh, We have several uh, operations in Quebec, one in Cambridge, Ontario, uh, one in the U.S., and uh, a large plant in Mexico. And um, that's my day-to-day job uh, uh, as of today. Uh, I'm on the road selling sheet metal, to various different manufacturers. And um, in between that, I definitely uh, flirted with a a, a couple of other um, careers. One was in um, uh, online advertising. Uh, I was uh, doing Facebook and Google ads and working on a commission basis. And um, I had a pretty strong earnings year in 2010. And that's actually how I, uh, started investing, I, I saved up um, a decent amount of money and uh, was able to buy two condos in
0: Niagara Falls, and that's what got me going. That's a pretty interesting start.
3: So, Jared, um, since I know you're probably the best of the three of us, I know that your um, investing strategy is a little bit unique, mm-hmm. um, and that obviously you've just covered that you live in a different province. So, what made you focus on investing in Ontario? Yeah, so.
2: I bought two condos in Niagara Falls in 2012. It was literally through a friend of a friend who referred me to someone who basically did a condominiumization project where he was converting a a large apartment building to condos. And it was sold to me in the sense where, hey, you know, you buy the unit, uh, they already have a tenant in, there's management in place. It's going to get this amount for rent that covers the expenses and, You just sort of sit back and let it appreciate and and build equity. Um, There were definitely a couple bumps along the road, but um, it it did work out in the end as there was um, uh, some appreciation. uh, There's been strong appreciation in the Niagara region the last few years, as I know you guys are aware of. And uh, through that, I was able to refinance and, and build my portfolio. But I basically started investing in Ontario because at the time I was living in Ottawa. And that opportunity came to me. And then once I started educating myself about Southern Ontario, started looking at learning about different markets like um, uh, Hamilton, uh, and then uh, thereafter Peterborough. But um, I started off in Niagara Falls, and it really piqued my curiosity to, to start learning about other markets and where I was going to go from there. But to answer your question... I started investing in Ontario because I was actually living in Ontario at the time, and it seemed like an easy way to get into real estate investing.
1: So, Jared, you've mentioned a couple of uh, a couple of cities uh, right off the hop. We're talking, uh, you know, Niagara Falls. We talked about Peterborough. Where is where else are you uh, investing, or where else do you have your your fingers in the
0: game?
2: I have a triplex in Orulia. Uh I have this. I have it managed by the same property manager as one of my units in North End St. Catharines. Um, And um, what I'm choosing to do moving forward is to strictly focus my energy on student rentals in Peterborough and duplexing, uh, doing legal duplexes in North End St. Catharines. As I mentioned, I was a bit scattered all over the place. I I sort of had shiny object syndrome where I'd want to... I was just looking for deals and um, always trying to find the next market that I thought would appreciate the most. But, um, you know, recently I've decided that's not the most scalable strategy because it's, it uh, can definitely be a management headache. So I have decided to scale in those two, uh, those two neighborhoods in Peterborough and um, and St. Catherine. So I can grow something substantial in each uh, neighborhood and, and um, generate, Strong relationships with contractors, property management and, and my power team. so it becomes in my mind easier to build um, as you move along.
0: very cool so with with those areas that you're kind of focusing on, is there certain factors um, whether externally or internally that you're looking at for investing in those areas? is it like the is it job growth, is it transit is, it, is there something in your criteria that you look towards?
2: Yeah, well, what attracted me to Peterborough is cash flow. Um, I'm able to get between five and $600 per, per bedroom. And although prices have increased now, I bought uh, my first two properties for about 320000 So it's very strong rent-to-value, and I need that cash flow uh, as I build so that I, I have a buffer. Um, I'm sure you know, as you move along and build, a lot of the, let's say, the the performers that people might provide you aren't necessarily accurate. They leave out um, a lot of expenses that should be accounted for, mainly maintenance, uh, property management in my case, (laughs) and and vacancy. Um, With me being so far away, I need to... Uh, pay my property managers well in order to to ensure that uh, my properties are being taken after taken care of so um, perhaps as many investors I know uh, in your area man, self manage that's not an opportunity for me so I have to focus on cash flow as a priority I hope that makes sense
0: yeah no absolutely yeah
2: um, so I guess I described a bit of Peterborough. In terms of St. Catharines, um, I mentioned previously I had a couple of single-family homes in downtown Hamilton that I bought and sold within about 16, 18 months. I made money, but the, the tenant profile was poor, So I decided to exit that market and enter St. Catharines because uh, I believe in that area, he, Um, I believe in specifically the neighbourhood. I compare it to uh, a a nice part of town here in Montreal called TMR. And um, I I do believe in the fundamentals. So, of course, we all know about the the GO train coming, uh, employment's increasing, uh, as Toronto, just in general, is unaffordable, even if prices don't go up. uh, I believe we'll continue to see migration from, from Toronto to uh, areas further and further out, such as St. Catherine, so uh, I'm, I'm confident in uh, in both of these neighborhoods.
3: So you've gone over kind of a bunch of different types of properties that you invest. So we've heard like student rentals, um, duplexing, single families. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the demand for the, the rentals in the areas that you're investing in. Like, are you finding that there's more of a demand for student rentals versus single families, or like, where are you, what are you seeing for demand overall?
2: Um, I can speak more towards Peterborough where I know there's a very, very high demand for student rentals. I'm located in the, in the West end there where uh, there's Fleming college, Fleming college. Um, most people just know about Trent university, at least from people from out of town. Uh, Fleming college has about 7,000 students and a growing uh, international student population. Um, there's a rental crisis there. So it's easy to 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 find tenants and qualified tenants. Um, and in terms of St. Catharines, uh, I think in our neighbourhood, it's it's easy to attract quality tenants because it, it's just a nicer neighbourhood than uh, the downtown area. It seems to be a trend in many of the, uh, uh, the, the suburbs where the cash flow makes sense, where the downtown isn't the nicest area, it's either the north end or the west end is a more attractive place for, for families uh, with, with dual income. So,
1: Jared, you've talked a lot about kind of, um, you know, the external factors in terms of picking these cities and, and, and you know, the areas you've chosen to invest in, but what made you start investing in real estate? What caused you to get the bug, um, you know, when you kind of you know dipped your toe in a few years ago?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2004. I traveled after university I was in Spain in Barcelona learning Spanish and uh I should have acted on it back then I'd be worth a lot more that's for sure but um uh I, I the the somewhat simplicity of understanding uh, buying rental property and keeping it and building that equity over time uh made sense to me in a way that um just sounded like an attractive opportunity to, to to grow a business to grow equity more so than with uh, the, the stock market or other uh, alternative investments um, I only acted on it a few years later um, because the opportunity came up and I finally uh, took action and um, I'm really glad I did uh, I know you might think I Started investing early at 32, but I re- really wish I had started at 25, 26 when I was generating an income, um, and and began there. But um, no complaints. <laughs> I'm having fun.
0: Good. Um, so, Jared, certain characteristics are important to certain investors when they when they go towards a certain property. Um, what characteristics are important to you when you're looking at a prospective property, and Kind of twofold. Is there certain character, uh, sorry, character, oh my god, characteristics that you look at because uh, because of your distance uh, from where you're investing?
2: Yeah. So let's start with the location. Um, I learned my lesson in Hamilton, <laughs> where um, and uh, obviously nothing against Hamilton. It, it, it's the area in which I invested in Hamilton that didn't lend itself to. Uh, the, you know, a decent tenant profile. So although I made money off of buying and holding and well, a, a, and selling it within a year, um, now I'm looking for what I consider to be attractive up and coming neighborhoods, not, not neighborhoods that are in transition where they might be nice five years, 10 years from now. I'm sure that will happen uh, in, in many of the uh, um let's just say the lesser attractive neighborhoods that we see because of the, uh, the gentrification that, that will inevitably occur. Um, it's just, I like buying in good neighborhoods that will attract good tenants. So I have a much better chance of retaining them as tenants and not having issues. Uh, for me, that's of the utmost importance because I'm such a distance away. And then of course, secondly, the condition of the home, uh, the, um, the you know as as they say the guts of the home uh good roof foundation electric and plumbing are, are all fundamentals i don't really focus on the, the lipstick cabinetry that can all be um changed at, at a relatively low price compared to uh, other major repairs so between those two um between a good neighborhood and good homes i'm happy um what I do specifically look for now in each of the neighborhoods uh, in both Peterborough and North and, and Saint Catharines is I really like raised bungalows. Um, I like that they're when they're raised, um, you get a lot of light in the basement suite. Windows tend to be larger, and I think that lends itself to be a, a higher quality living space for your downstairs tenants. And you know, with bungalows, we're, you know, we're dealing with an aging population that might not want to deal with stairs. And so um, by, uh, by buying raised bungalows on decent-sized lots, I think I'm, I'm setting myself up for uh, for something strong with years to come.
3: So, Jared, it sounds like, I mean, you've already answered this question about how you manage these properties. It sounds like you have a different PM um, kind of in each area. So what we want to know is how do you identify which PMs to use and how and, and why? Like, I mean, how, do you interview them? Is there a set of questions that you ask? How do you figure out how you can trust people um, being so far away?
2: Right. That's a good question. It's definitely tough at the beginning because i uh, never done it before. Um, I started out in each neighborhood strictly with referrals, um, and I... I basically, you know, gave faith in, in, in whom gave, who gave me the referral to go with uh, a certain property manager that, of course, you have a conversation with, you understand how uh, expectations are going to be met. And um, sometimes things don't work out and you can switch things up. Um, that, you know, that, I'm sure that that will happen uh, here and there. Uh, however, I do like I like working with property managers that are come highly referred from um, from income property agents such as yourself and my uh, my agents in, in Peterborough. If that makes sense, it's there's a level of accountability that people take on when um, you know, it's a referral from a client that um, you expect to generate continued business with. I think. You know me, Eric. I I, uh, I, I plan on building um, in in each of my neighborhoods, and so that when you uh, have a relationship and, and keep building based on you know, the business activity, then um, I, I'm likely going to get more support from my property managers than someone might uh, who just buys their first property and um, goes with the first company to hear of. If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, we have the same kind of mentality, right? You want someone that's going to have repeat business. So if you have someone that you trust, then you'll you'll keep, you know, trusting the same person. So I, I feel like we have the same philosophy. Um, right. Yeah.
1: So, Jared, I want to switch gears just a little bit. Um, you know, we've talked about kind of your, um, you know, the reason why you kind of look towards Ontario. Um, you know, you're living in a large city right now. Montreal has a lot of suburbs similar to Toronto, a lot of towns around 100,000 people or less. Um, you know, you're fluently bilingual yourself, um, where you could go into any of those towns, um, you know, and and do quite well. Where, for example, like myself or Brian or Erica, we're not, you know, bilingual. So, I mean, if we went to go, you know, buy an investment property in uh, in Puerto I don't think we would do very well being Anglophone. But uh, you know, why not invest in one of those towns? Why was what? Why was the big draw to Ontario? Like you could probably do very well in some of those smaller cities outside the uh, uh, the borough of Montreal. But but why why not go into those towns?
2: Yeah. So I guess you begin with the end in mind. I never planned on managing any of my properties. So in in my mind, it doesn't matter whether. The property is around the block or 700 kilometers away. I guess I wouldn't want it to be halfway around the world, where I, it'd be tough to visit. Um, but the idea is, I kept building in Ontario because I believe in the appreciation in southern Ontario, with Toronto being landlocked. You know, you've got uh, the the lake to the south, the Greenbelt to the north, so it just pushes out east and west. And if you look at other uh, coastal cities, you see that rapid type appreciation. Um, and just basically a push out into the suburbs. Um, we don't have the same thing here in Montreal. In the last ten years, there hasn't been significant appreciation in the the market in Montreal. Only now are we starting to see uh, houses going over asking. I believe it started last summer. And um, to be honest, the only reason I'm able to grow is because of the appreciation. Or let's just say the appreciation makes it easier to refinance and buy that next property. Uh, It'll take me a while to save up 100 grand, so if I can't uh, refinance uh, a purchase here in a few years, um, let's just say it it, it, or or it doesn't have that the same potential that I believe Southern Ontario and my my neighborhoods do. I'm uh, I'm just like less likely to invest here. Um, I do believe there are opportunities in Montreal. I believe there's opportunities at many different places, but um, I I guess that it all comes back to not wanting to manage my properties. I'm definitely busy with with work and life in general, where uh, I don't want to be the guy, even even if I own the property here, uh, I I wouldn't want to be the guy to go uh, and fix the toilet or anything like that. I just wouldn't Um, because I don't plan on having one. I plan on having multiple, multiple units. And um, yeah, it, that that's that's the main reason why I don't choose to to invest in Montreal. Plus, I'm I'm building out in southern Ontario in my neighborhoods, and I'm building relationships and networking with people that can help and push me further in that area. You can only network and and do so much without scattering yourself, and I've definitely made that mistake before. So, um, for all those reasons, I continue to invest in. Uh, in in uh, my, my two favourite neighbourhoods, Peterborough and St. Catharines, and not look so much here for, for the next opportunity.
0: Jared, do you think you'll actually end up yourself in Ontario, or do you think you'll stick it out in Montreal?
2: You never know. There's definitely a working opportunity. Uh, we have an operation in Cambridge. Um, it will likely be growing into a stamping facility as well where we uh, we require 50, uh, you know, 60,000 plus square feet. Um, it, it definitely could happen if, if I keep scaling out, and uh, uh, you never know, that's for sure. I'm definitely not opposed to it. Um, I, I enjoy Toronto and, and the suburbs every time I'm down. Um, yeah, it, it could definitely happen.
0: So we, we talked a little bit about some of the issues you've faced from miles and miles away with your properties, but what would you say is one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome? Hmm.
2: I think it's uh, it's identifying contractors and property managers that you commit yourself to, to becoming part of your power team. Um, mm-hmm. At the beginning, like I said, when you have one property uh, and you're starting out, you're uh, let's just say you're you're a bit more vulnerable than uh, than someone who's more experienced. But as you build, and it doesn't take uh, that long to d- to build uh, with the appreciation we've had in the last five years, um, I I would just like to um, basically keep and generate and nurture a power team in each of the neighborhoods that I'm concentrating in so uh, I I don't have to um, I don't have to think about it as much I I have I don't want to say leverage or power but the truth is you're uh, let's just say I'm more significant and so part of the challenge at the beginning was with, with being scattered with not having all the information required in terms of renovations and uh uh, and and price points um you you have to you have to learn and um it's tough to to learn without that experience and actually doing it yourself you can learn from others absolutely but um i've always been uh investing my own money for my own properties and i've chosen to learn on the fly where uh it it does have its advantages and, and, and disadvantages but uh Um, I I sort of have that mentality of just get up and go and do it yourself and and see what happens because what's the worst that that can happen. You try to mitigate the losses um, by doing your due diligence and being, making what you think are responsible decisions. Yeah.
3: Okay. So Jared, because I have a little bit of insider knowledge on what you're working on um, Mm. right now. And also because I know that lots of people listening to the podcast do like to ask questions about how you find joint ventures. Um, Wondering if maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of a a scoop or a pitch as to what you say to your JV people, uh, being that you are, you know, investing in a place that you don't live in and that you have extra challenges that maybe typical investors don't face. So what kind of things do you try and pitch to people that you were looking to JV with? Right. So
2: I've started to build in the two neighbourhoods that I've invested in and I would say to new investors that one of the challenges at the beginning sort of taps into what I just mentioned. Where um, if you're new, you don't know really know what you're doing, and you go at it alone, you are you're just likely you're more likely to make certain mistakes. Um, and um, how do I put this? You, you your, your mistakes will be less costly. If you have a joint venture partner who uh, has the, the contacts in the neighborhood you plan on investing in, uh, he, he or she will, will is more familiar with the neighborhood which parts of the neighborhood to stay in uh, to, to stay away from um, what property management companies to refer to. Um, all those little details add up once you started developing uh, your power team in your neighborhood and I think once you have, and you have a lot to offer in terms of other investors because I guess you can, you, you, can, you know, you call it training wheels. What well, the, well, the idea is you need training wheels at the beginning to, to get on the bike and, and to start moving, but you don't need them forever. So the idea behind a joint venture, and tell me if this makes sense to you as well, is, is that you do one, and so you're learning during the process. You're, you're learning, you're asking questions as, as you're investing and, uh, and generating equity. And then once once you're comfortable, um, you can do it yourself. The, the point is not to dissuade people um, from uh, investing themselves, just to understand the advantages of, of partnering up with someone who has certain advantages in the neighborhood that they might be interested in.
1: All right, Jared, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to the fire round. Uh, we used to have a siren. Ryan uh, lost the sponsorship, so we no longer have a siren. So uh, you're going to have to uh, you know, realize that there's one in your head. So anyways, yeah. uh, we asked the same guests on all of our podcasts. We asked them the same series of questions, the, these six questions. So um, I'll, I'll kick it off. So where do you see yourself in the next 12 months?
2: So I see myself in the same job, making a lot of sales and buying a couple more properties. Uh, I continue, I'll likely continue to do uh, joint ventures. Uh, I'm looking to build on the first one and to um, at least get a couple more uh, for next year and uh, refinance a couple of my properties in order to acquire two or three properties per year.
1: And we ask we ask everyone this question, and everyone tries to bob, weave, duck, but uh, some people answer it straight on. Is where do you see the market going in the next 12 months?
2: Yeah, Um I can understand why. I think that we're going to see appreciation, just uh, you know, just not 10 percent, 20 percent year over year that you have seen. Um, interest rates have gone up, um, but one one thing that people who don't who don't invest um, who always mention well, why are you investing in real estate? Or, you know, uh, interest rates are going up. What about the crash? is that rents are going up as well. It's a hedge I win, tails you lose. So if people can't afford to purchase properties because uh, interest rates have gone up and it's tough to qualify, well, they need a rent. And as that rent demand increases, so does the rent. So that sort of offsets that scale in cash flow. Um, I, I think we're going to see 5% appreciation. In in our typical neighborhoods in in the the outskirts in the the Hamilton, St Catharines, Oshawa, Peterborough, all those neighborhoods. I mean, obviously not that each. I'm not being that specific, but I think uh, I'd safely say there's going to be modest appreciation.
3: Um, Who do you currently learn from is the next question. That's probably going to be a long-winded answer for you because I think you have lots of um, inspirations from what you've what you've been telling us.
2: Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I, I call, I ask questions. Uh, I like talking about the market and, and where it's going and the best strategy to employ. Um, I also listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I think it's great that you guys came out with uh, with this one. I, I do listen to it. It's great. Um, Being on the Road in Sales. Uh, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. I love my music, but uh, I love learning as well. So uh, there's a lot of real estate podcasts I listen to. Um, you know, Rob Breaks Breakthrough uh, podcast. Uh, this one, uh, the Rockstar one, and i listen listening to a couple in the U.S. Um, Jason Hartman is he, a really bright guy. Um, I, I listen to him just because I think he's a, he's a genius, and um, I, I enjoy bigger pockets as well. But I definitely have multiple sources of information. I do read magazines. I do read real estate books, um, so it, it comes from multiple sources.
3: And that perfectly leads into the next question: of yeah. What are you currently reading?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. It does relate to real estate, but it's not super direct. It's a book called "Thinking in Bets" by Annie Duke. She is a professional poker player, but now she's uh, retired and like, retired from poker. But basically, speaks and. Uh, a strong investor she talks about how um basically uh, how to become a strong investor one key concept that i love is that um uh, re- resulting uh, which is basically you know linking the quality of a decision with the quality of the outcome which which is a wrong way to approach decision making often we make good decisions and we have poor outcomes and, and we blame people. We blame situations. Um, I find the psychology of it very interesting. Uh, one small tidbit about me. I, I was a professional poker player for uh, three years from 2007, 2010-ish. And um, I believe there's a lot of relationships. Uh, strong correl- there's a strong correlation between uh, poker and real estate investing or just investing in general. You're... Um, you're making decisions with incomplete information, and you want to do the best as possible. And it, it, it's possible to, to be successful. You just have to correctly diagnose the the, uh, the situation and make the appropriate action.
0: That's a very cool comparison, I have to say. Uh, Jared, if you could do one thing differently in the last year, what do you think that would have been?
2: Oof. Maybe uh, I don't know if I should be saying this. I shouldn't have bought so much so fast. I bought three. I think I bought three properties last year, and um, I when I refinance my next one, uh, it's good to keep a a buffer, a buffer of cash flow uh, without being so tight. I, I jokingly refer to you know investors as always broke because we're spending our every last dime on real estate. If it's not purchasing the property, it's renovating it, or Improving or uh, uh, something else. Um, so I guess I would take a bit more of a measured approach, where I'm, um, uh, I'm keeping more equity in the bank in terms of cash uh, in order to um, you know, just have a just have a, a strong buffer. It's okay. I, it's not something I really regret because I do love the properties I bought, but it put me in um, situations where uh i i let's just say i had to to be flexible and nimble let's just put it that way that's a that's the uh the best way of putting it
0: okay uh what advice would you give to those sitting on the fence um just watching somebody like you who's investing what would you say to them
2: yeah i one uh i believe the number one strongest piece of advice to to uh, those people is to, to really once once you've do, once you've done uh, the basic education you you've researched the market um, and, and you find a property that might not be perfect but will do the job just buy it um, I mean of course you, you want to do your due diligence uh, have it inspected uh, and be more or less set up with, with a team that can support you but going back to one of your questions, uh, earlier, what got you in real estate investing? I remember so many people telling me before I wanted to either start investing, investing whether it was in investing in general, or, or sorry, investing in property, whether it be my own personal residence or um, or rental property, is that people would say, "Oh, don't worry, I, you know, just just wait, things are going to crash." Now, I'm going back to 2003. I'm not talking about 2012, 2013. I'm going back to Montreal in 2003. And I made the mistake of listening to them. So I would apply that advice to those who are on the fence today because the likelihood that you'd regret buying an income property, if done responsibly, it, it, the likelihood that you'd regret that is very low. Even if there is a turn in the market, uh, you're going to cash flow. You, you'll be collecting the same rent. Your expenses haven't increased. And you're you're no further behind so long story short take take action because everyone else is and and you'll be left behind if you don't i think that's one of the most important things
1: right is just you know i mean the first deal is always the hardest right but if unless you take action you're going to be sitting on the sidelines for a very long time right and i think Mm -hmm. uh you know jared you've got a really great story to tell about uh you know i mean just doing that taking action not afraid of making mistakes and then when you do make mistakes you move on or you move forward, right? But I think the biggest thing that you've done and what you've articulated tonight is just, you know, focus, 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 right? It's buying you know, one or two things that you're good at and replicating them over and over and over again. So uh, on behalf of Brian, Erica, myself, I want to thank you for coming on the show this evening and talking to us about your journey, your experience, and and, and kind of the challenges that you've faced. So the other thing I wanted to just say is if, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Um, I can leave my email address I guess on, on this podcast after uh, if that's okay uh, but uh, I'm not sure which way you want to do it uh, I can leave I'm happy to leave my phone number obviously as as, you know I receive uh, calls from investors and not from Parties. Um, yeah, you
1: know what? We we'll, we'll, we'll do Jared, we'll put it in the show yeah. notes. Just your contact information yeah. on uh, on ways to get in touch with you and I mean for those people that are interested too. Like I mean, uh, you know, you've talked a, a couple times about working with investors and partnering right. with them on on future deals. So if people are interested in, you know, properties or, or partnering with you on a deal and you know, whether it's St. Catharines or Peterborough, um, you know, maybe that would be the best best way for them to get in touch with you.
2: Excellent. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was good fun.
1: Okay. Well, on behalf of Brian, Eric, and myself, thank you for taking some time uh, tonight, and uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the evening.
2: Will do.
0: All right. Have a great night, Thanks, Take care. Take care. Okay, bye. All right.